Greetings and yaweskenekaguego. I'm thankful you're well. You're listening to Gaino. If you're tuning in for the first time today, Gaino is a Seneca word for music or song. I'm your host, Brett Maybe. Today I'm coming to you from the Allegheny Territory of the Seneca Nation. Each week we take a listen to some amazing music from different indigenous artists from all across Turtle Island. So as always, you're cordially invited to enjoy the music in the chat. My featured artist today is Shushwap musician Misha Louie. She's one half of the duo Misha and the Spanks. Along with her creative partner Sean Hamilton, they're equal parts Patsy Cline and Patti Smith. They've won numerous awards. They regularly visit Europe. And the track kicking off our listening today has received the best radio support up in Canada. It made it to the number one spot on the Indigenous Music Countdown. It was featured in Season 2 of Rutherford Falls. And it's a sad, true story. So without further ado, from Unconditional Love and Hi-Fi, it's Dig Me Out, today on Gyno. shallow pit get any deeper i can't get out of it i get it i can't look away i said i get it i get it it just pulled me like a trigger baby lightning hits me i can't see i'm burning up i got no relief wake me up from this fever dream i can't look at the pages look at the pages look at the pages oh no Dig me out, that's what they'd say I didn't 
fun, energetic song from Misha and the Spanx, 2023, Unconditional Love and Hi-Fi. That's Dig Me Out as we get into our hour together today on Gyno. If you're just now joining us, it's with great honor and with great patience that I welcome Misha Louie to the show today. We've been in discussion since about May or thereabouts, but you know, she's been away from home more than she's been home this whole year. And uh, well, obviously with everything that I've had going with the mainstream too, finally, these streams are able to converge a little bit. And without further ado, let's start on a little bit of a lighter note and do some introductions. So welcome to Gyno today, Misha. How are you doing? Hi. Thanks very much for having me. It's nice to could finally convene and have a chat about some music. In the year, year and a half since I've become acquainted with your music, I love the energy. I love the content of your lyrics. You're not afraid to uh, touch on some important discussions, as I was mentioning. And let's start with some introductions. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I'm a mom of twins. They're both four years old now. I'm from the East Kootenai region of British Columbia, um, Shkwetmuk or Shushwap uh, mix on my father's side, and I'm moving in Calgary now, and I've I've been here, yeah, I think I've been here for just over 20 years now, which is kind of wild. I've now lived in Calgary longer than my hometown. Oh, yeah. Did you move to Calgary specifically for the music scene? Because let's admit it, things are happening over there. Yeah, Um a little bit, yeah. Like so, the town I grew up in is about two and a half hours from Calgary, so just through the Rocky Mountains. And it was so Calgary is the closest city. And when I was in high school, in my punk bands, we used to put on punk shows at the community hall and have Calgary bands come out and play. And so I was more familiar with the Calgary music scene than any of the bigger city scenes. Sure. So I figured I would come here for a year or two, get moving, and then head somewhere big like Toronto or Vancouver. But I think I'm just kind of a small town kid at heart, and I love the kind of small town community vibes that were in Calgary. You've certainly put down roots. 20 years is uh, quite a significant amount of time. Uh, You were letting me know before we got into the proper interview that your relationship with the electric guitar is relatively new, yeah? Yeah, well, I mean, so I picked up electric guitar in 2008, so it's not that new, but uh, previously I'd only played like singer-songwriter kind of angsty teen acoustic kind of stuff. And then I always just sang in punk bands. And when my last punk band broke up, I didn't want to have any more bands where things were breaking up and I had to go start from the beginning again. So I decided I would switch to electric guitar and my backing band would be whoever was available. And that way I never lost songs. I never lost momentum and I could just kind of power through with my own career. And so that transition uh, it took a while till I could actually shred like I wanted to and play the kind of rock riffs that we're doing now. Yeah. And it's my understanding that Misha and the Spanx actually has its origins uh, at around this time, about 2008. But you do put a little bit of uh, delineation uh, pre-Sean and post-Sean, yeah? Yeah, yeah, there really, there really is. Um, I mean, I part of the problem was that I did have so many floating band members, and so things could only grow as far as I personally could. And when Sean joined, he's, he is like a lifer musician like me who wants to be on tour all of the time. And so we were able to really build something together. And I don't really, I couldn't see the band without him now. Like he's such a staple, his style of drumming and trying to, trying to match him because he's like, he's so good. Trying to match him has only made me better and the yeah. band better. And so, yeah, there's definitely a big difference. 
from before he was there and since he joined. You guys certainly have a, a White Stripes kind of vibe, but that's not to say that you're copying any kind of sound. Uh, full energy, a completely unique thing. Uh, are you happy with the two-person dynamic, or are there plans to add on any members? Very happy with the two. I think we, we worked really hard over the last seven or eight years to see how big the two of us can sound, and that has... Uh, changed into our live set, I'm playing through two guitar amps and a bass amp, and I have different effects going through both, and it really fills things up. Mm-hmm. And it's a, really, it's, a, it's a really good tell when after a show, nobody is coming up to me and being like, oh, are you guys looking for a bass player? <laughs> that hasn't happened in a couple of years, and so I think, we're, I think we're pulling it off, just the two of us. And that's a good dynamic for us. Well, that's my point exactly. I mean, the lack of bass is definitely noticeable in a band like the White Stripes, but you guys really do have this nice, full sound. So, no, I completely understand. It was just more for curiosity than anything. Uh, Misha, let's come back in just a few and talk about Unconditional Love and Hi-Fi. Um, in the meantime, we have have a lot of listening to get through today and of course our primary spotlight is going to be from your new album unconditional love and hi-fi i also want to get one on from the apple music home session that was released over the summer uh, but in addition to your cool tunes we're also going to be hearing from the likes of status non-status who you were kind enough to recommend for our playlist today and jade turner a musician from the west coast of canada so yeah we have a lot to get through today we'll come back in just a few in this first block Status non-status with where they were. Black Belt Eagle Scouts blue from the land, the water, the sky. And kicking things off right now is a song that's been in regular rotation on the mainstream. Well, and let's face it, on Gyno too. From Unconditional Love and Hi-Fi, released earlier this year, back in the springtime. It's My Heart is on Fire as we continue on with our listening on Gyno. Also don't know on Dodge Eats.
Coming to you from the Allegheny territory of the Seneca Nation, this is Justin Woodmancy from the band Alamantra, and you are listening to Gyno. By way of recommendation from today's featured artist, Misha Louie, that status, non-status, with where they were winding down that first block of listening today on Gyno. If you're just now tuning in, welcome. It's good to have you here. I always want to encourage you to go check out the full podcast archive at gynomusic.fm. As we get back into our conversation, Misha was kind enough to provide me with a couple of recommendations today, including that one you just heard. And uh, Misha, before we talk specifically about the album, let's just touch on this song and why you chose Status Non-Status, because I feel like this will provide a nice segue uh, into the next song that we're going to be hearing from the album. Yeah, well, Status Non-Status uh, is a newer name for the band, Whoopso, and a big reason why he chose Adam chose that name uh, was because he's kind of in a limbo in, in like, colonial identity of Indigenous peoples, where I believe his grandfather served in the Canadian Army and therefore lost his status. And so when it comes to trying to get different kinds of funding, I know Adam really struggles 
to be considered because of the limbo that his identity has kind of left him in. There's a huge conversation going on about identity right now. And of course, uh, Beverly Santa Maria ends up being a big part of the catalyst that is kind of exploded across Indian country right now. Uh, but, you know, that's one example, which I'm going to be perfectly honest. I wasn't aware that that was a condition uh, for status up in Canada, whether you serve or not in the Army. Down here, it's almost, uh, it, it's so complicated. Uh, but this is something that we share in common as well, and you do touch on this in your lyrics quite a bit. Uh, it, it's super frustrating. Let's get that out of the way first and foremost, yeah. Yeah, identity is something, I mean, it's something I've always kind of been dealing with. When I was a kid growing up in my hometown, it might have been more because my family name was well known in the valley, uh, and so I was always an Indian kid, even though I'm I'm mixed. Um, my mother is white, my dad is indigenous, and I just it was always uh, just a natural part of my identity that that's like who who I was. I was really really dark as a kid too, and so it was not really something that came into question too much. And then when I moved to Calgary, suddenly. Uh, people didn't know what I was and were asking me what I was. And they're like, oh, like, you know, what percentage are you? Those kinds of identity types questions. And I was like, this is so weird. Why doesn't anybody know what I am? And I kind of found myself in a place where I had to kind of walk down my family tree a little bit and, like, really explain who I was. And it was a new thing for me coming from my small town where everybody knew and then going somewhere where nobody did. And so I wrote this song called Mixed Blood Girls. And it's, um, I mean, it's just about that. It's exactly about that. It's exactly about where I come from and my relationship with my identity. My dad, uh, you know, my dad kind of kept the cultural parts of it from me. He, my grandmother was in residential school, and that's kind of what digged me out. The premise of that is all about she was in Kamloops, hmm. where they found the 215, but she survived, obviously. Hmm. And he was obviously very traumatized. And so my dad had a really poor family life where all of his siblings and his mother included had a lot of problems with alcohol and drugs. And so he kind of pulled himself away from that and also kept me away from that, thinking that was a way to keep me safe. And so I would still see my family, but I would see them at things like funerals. Like that would be our, our sort of family reunion. Yeah. I kind of grew up knowing exactly where I came from and all of the really beautiful history prior to residential schools and knowing what happened at residential schools, but not having my family around me very often. And so I was kind of cut off culturally like that. And so when I wrote Mixed Blood Girls, it's kind of the telling of that and trying to reconnect with my identity and my culture and share what it's like to be mixed and that interpretation and what people will say to you and how that is perceived. And when I, I made this really amazing music video with uh, Indus City, which are some indigenous Calgary girls who are also, who are also mixed. And they make all these, you see all these really gorgeous long earrings and shows like reservation dogs and like they yeah. make those earrings, but oh, okay. they also do all this really cool film stuff. And so they made this cinematic video that kind of tells the story and then we play live to the song at the end. Nice. And we all posted it, we shared it, and there's this one this one native guy from Calgary, he's a pretty famous artist, I don't want to say his name, so I don't want to have any any kind of beef continue more than this. But just like I'm like four in the morning, would just start slandering me on all of our posts, sharing it. And I had people like coming to my defense who knew me growing up, and it just was this really 
unfortunate situation because I was getting so much support from other mixed Indigenous girls in particular who are like, I relate to this. I know what this feels like to not be able to find your place and then how wonderful it is to finally find it. And this guy just kept shooting on it. And I tried to reach out to him personally and again, walk him through my family tree and explain exactly where I'm from. And he just didn't respond and he deleted this stuff. And then he would just do it again, like in the middle of the night. And so that was the premise of the bully was kind of dealing with all of this bullying, you know, like, like, why why are we trying to pull each other down? You know, there should be more of us and the more reconnecting, the better, I think. These are undoubtedly some of these uh, colonial trappings that keep everybody at odds, which again, kind of circling back around to, uh, you know, I guess some of the, the conversation that's happening with Buffy right now, this is what's at stake. It makes it much, much harder for people with authentic uh, claims and, and connections to their community to be taken seriously, because I think in part anyway people get just so sick of everything that it's just easier to not deal with it and say all right everybody get back to your corners kind of a deal but you're approaching this head-on you're not steering away from the conversation in fact you're leaning into it a little bit more I think you know what I think I've got this this like fear of being called out on some sort of major public platform at some time because I don't look as native as I used to think I did and so I think I just want to be as open and honest every step of the way of exactly who I am and where I come from. So there's no questions asked, you know, that kind of a thing. Sure. I did every time there's every time there's like this big pretendian unveil. I think, and I think this is probably true for a lot of mixed people. There's this fear of like, will I now be excluded? Yeah. Am I indigenous enough? You know, and it's, I think it's just something that a mixed identity always kind of, I don't know, there's this fear and this worry that goes with it. So I think I, my approach, and not only, it hasn't, I didn't start writing about identity specifically because of that, but I think that there is that fear that is helping me inform my writing of just being like, if I just tell my story as honestly and forwardly as I can, you know, I think that will just kind of get ahead of any any calls later on in life. Yeah. Well, I can certainly uh, second your sentiment that uh, it is traumatic. It is an odd form of gaslighting uh, when this kind of uh, conversation comes up. And I sit there myself because I'm mixed blood and I think, well, geez, you know, do I not count? It's exhausting. And that's kind of the point. And so thank you so much for putting yourself out there in a vulnerable position. Let's be honest. That's a hard thing to do. Um, and, And you're really, I think, helping people to feel more comfortable in that identity. So thank you again. Well, thanks. I hope I hope so. You know, it's like, yeah, I think there's a bigger community out there than we realize, and sure. we're really not alone. Well, Misha, we have a little bit more time to catch up before uh, parting ways today. We also have more incredible music to get through as well, so let's get your second recommendation on. It's going to be Jade Turner's Stay Wild Child coming up at the end of this block. Uh, we're also going to hear Burn Elvis with the Residential Schoolhouse Blues book kicking things off right now as the track we were just discussing from Unconditional Love and Hi-Fi. Turn it up with Bully as we continue on with our hour together here on Gyno. You don't know me, you don't like me I've been reading what you're writing At 4 a.m. you got a lot to say On a social media page I can't reason with you I can't reason with you I guess that's why you're relevant I guess that's why 
Captain Ra from Kuik, and you're listening to Native Voice One. Took all the children away today.
Bonjour. Alexa Dawson here from traditional Kanza in Osage territory. You're listening to Native Voice One. If I can go back to the good times, I would slow it down and take it all in. You don't know what you're gonna miss until you're sitting there missing it. If I could tell you one thing, it would be this. Second recommendation from today's featured artist, Misha Louie. That's Jade Turner, Stay Wild Child, helping to wind down that block today on Gyno. If you're just now joining us, please, please go check out gynomusic.fm for the full searchable podcast archive. And of course, it plays regularly on the nativeartistdirectory.com, a free and useful resource to help get you oriented with who's who out there in Indian country. Misha, thank you so much for taking a few minutes to chat with me today and uh, get 
get listeners acquainted with the legend behind these great songs. As we start to wind things down right now, obviously we've already touched on how 2023 has been a super busy year for you. Um, right now you're taking a little bit of a break. How are you going to spend your time during this uh, downtime? Well, I have got to chase around my four-year-old toddlers and are they some toddlers at four? Actually, they might be just getting out of toddlers. Anyway, <laughs> I've got I've got two four-year-old boys, so my hands are pretty full with them. And I've got I think I guess it's time to start writing. Like we've just we have some more touring to do of the new record. I know it's not that old, but we got to get some stuff in our bag here to write the next record. So it'll be it's a bit of downtime and more creative work, which is nice. Um, but not too long before we're out again at the end of January. Uh, it'll be here before you know it, right? Um, right. Any, any timeline for when we can uh, anticipate new music from the Spanx? Ooh, I would say the earliest will be 2025. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Well, you know, that's actually within a perfectly reasonable timetable. It's not like the 60s where people were putting out two albums a year, right? <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Maybe a single would come up before then. And also, I was just at this very cool uh, Indigenous songwriting camp in Toronto, and I did a very cool collaboration, and I'm hoping that that will come out as something. So if anything comes out prior, it'll probably be a collaboration track. Well, you know I'm going to ask, right? Can you share any details, or is this top secret right now? Uh, you know what? I don't think I can because I don't 100% know what we're going to do with it. Okay. All right. But I, I will say it's with this very cool hip-hop artist from Montreal. Ah, okay. Well, now so I'm going to have to go. Definitely a different flavor than what you're used to. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, before letting you go, where can people find more of your music at? We're on all of the streaming services as well as Bandcamp if you prefer to get physical records that way. Um and our website is nishaandthespanks.net. Thank you for taking a little bit of time to chat with me and introduce you to my listeners today. And I certainly hope you'll join me on Gaino again here soon. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was nice to finally connect with you.
rises early before the dawn, showers and eats quickly. Coffee tastes good this morning. She brings out the vest, white shirt, and dark slacks. The navy cap fits loosely today. Combing her hair, she looks in the mirror one last time. Time to go. It's time to go. She checks the children one more time. The children. seems especially quiet now. Time to go. It's time to go. She chooses her finest coat, lightly brushing it off. Checking. To see if anything's left in the pockets. Checks her shoes one last time, quietly closing the door, locking it just so. Walking quietly down the stairs, time to go. It's time to go. Forty days pass so quickly. Hardly seems like yesterday. So much to see, so much to do. grandparents and all the ancient ancestors. She can't wait to tell the stories of all her children. is recorded and produced on the Allegheny territory of the Seneca Nation with support from the Anosa Gwende Cultural Center and Creatives Rebuild New York. For this and past episodes of Gyno, log on to gynomusic.fm or nv1.org. To discover more music from incredible indigenous artists, be sure to check out the Native Artist Directory at nativeartistdirectory.com.
Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.